and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Jason Gonzalez is the owner and head personal trainer of the Lab Training Studio, located in my neck of the woods in the Salt Lake Valley. Jason is a NASM certified personal trainer and functional range mobility specialist. He also holds certifications as a specialist in weight loss, corrective exercise, fitness nutrition, and behavior change. Jason, like us, had the gym that he was working at prior to the pandemic shut down for an undetermined amount of time. He made a quick pivot in his training and career, did more online virtual training, and transitioned his unfinished business, or I'm sorry, unfinished basement into his home gym, the lab. His focus is to help people look, feel, and perform better. His programs are customized to fit his clients' needs through athletic training, injury rehabilitation, and weight loss. In 2022, he created and branded his own pre-workout with the intention of delivering a high-quality pre-workout without all the bells, whistles, and gimmicks. You can find Jason on Instagram at RepTheReds. Jason Gonzalez, what an honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. What's up, Casey? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, it's such an honor to host you. Like I said, you're in the valley with us. We have so many commonalities, which is really cool. And I just really uh, very much enjoy watching you put content out on Instagram. Um, I love your training modalities, and I'm so excited to get into that with you today. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, that's great. Before we do, uh, if you wouldn't mind, tell your audience a little bit about your life, um, kind of growing up and how you got interested in fitness. Absolutely. Um, so fitness for me started, well, fitness for me started like, uh, in high school, sophomore, junior year, started working out. Um, basically since then, so I started my training career, uh, in 2011. So I've been in this about 11 years. Um, I originally was going to go to school for nursing. I started at slick, which is a local community college. Um, but then I just discovered that kind of that route wasn't for me and I enjoyed helping people. Um, and I also enjoyed working out. So I thought, how can I do those two things? Uh, and then I did what I could to figure out what it took to be a trainer, what they got paid, how to make a a career out of this. Um, and then I started at gold's gym when, it was Gold's Gym. Now it's been bought out by Masa. Um, I then started, I tried to start my own thing after Gold's Gym, which was like two years into training. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't want this gym to take 50% of my commission. Um, I could just do this on my own. And then I quickly failed because uh, of a lot of things that I know now that I didn't back then, uh, which we could talk about. But, uh, then I went, I, I was at a place called Crossroads Fitness. I was at a place called Big Mountain Barbell. I was at a place called Total Health and Fitness. Uh, and then I tried to start my own thing again, uh, also failed. And then I, my last gym I was at before uh, they closed down because of the pandemic was the Treehouse. Um, and then after the Treehouse, I started my own my my own gym essentially, the lab in 2020. Uh, I had a powerlifting career from 2015 to about 2019 was the last competition i did uh, i did about I, I competed in in six meets powerlifting meets uh in the 148 pound weight class and i have all the utah state records in squat bench and deadlift i uh have a few national records and one uh, at the time it was a, a bench press world record for the division um and now it's it's, it's been beat but it was nice wow. to have when I had it. 
Yeah, that's impressive, man. So cool. For somebody who doesn't understand, I don't think a lot of people understand the personal training business. I mean, you mentioned a lot of, you know, gyms that you were transitioning into and, and starting a business and failing and starting a business and failing. I, I, I don't see it as a failure. I see it more of, as a learning. But for people who Still don't learning. understand. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but for people that don't understand what it's like to be a personal trainer, can you explain a little bit some of the challenges that, that, that you may not have realized going in? Like, are people just, you know, lining up <laughs> to come see you and train with you and pay you a bunch of money yeah that's the thing i think that's the thing that i didn't have the the biggest grasp on was like oh yeah i feel like nowadays most people kind of go into personal training when they're like oh i love working out and i'm going to be a personal trainer because that's what they do all day but i mean i'm hardly working out myself nowadays um and it's 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 more of running a business and obviously taking care of these people who are your clients and it's very like the, 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 the word personal trainer, it's very personal. And if you're not personal, um, if you, if you can't be a chameleon with your clients and kind of mirror that, then there's like, good luck finding clients. There's going to be a very small niche with that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very much business, a lot more business than I originally thought. Yeah, totally. I mean, even in some of those big gyms, we worked at a large corporation as well. Even some of these big gyms that have lots of resources, you're kind of like turned to the sharks a little bit. And like, you have to learn marketing, you have to learn PowerPoint, you have to learn Excel and reporting and sales. And you're doing this in this environment where you're working 100% commission, normally 50 to 60 hour, you know, work weeks because of that. And you're up, you're kind of competing against, it could be 20 or 30 other hungry trainers that are all trying to do the same and competing for the same business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cutthroat. <laughs> Absolutely. Pretty cutthroat. Yeah, it is. Um, but and that's why I think the, the turnover rate for training is like two years. So you, you get in the field, you train for one or two years, and then you all of a sudden realize, Hey, I can't, you know, I'm not making the money I want to make because I mean, it is cutthroat. Yeah, totally. But, but, you know, going back to, you know, failing versus learning, the cool thing about all of that is, is, you know, once you learn those things bit by bit, then you have them. And now you can stand out as a personal trainer, not only know all kinds of different training modalities, but you know, all these things to like run a business and stand out from other people and you can do your own marketing and on accounting and all that other stuff. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing. So tell us what it was like, you know, during the pandemic, what, I I don't know if fear is the right word. I never really said, you would say fear. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there were, there were, that was one of the many mixed emotions that were going on uh, during that time. I mean, yeah, like basically what happened was, okay, it was March, 2020 and we had no idea. We're like, Oh, the first case of COVID came to was in Riverton, right? Where my gym that I was training at was in Draper. So now we're just thinking, great. Once this starts to spread, we're like, this is like a zombie apocalypse going on. Right. And we're like, once it starts to spread, what's going to happen to the gym? And then it wasn't, it was only a few days later, maybe a week later where they're like, Hey, uh, yeah, we're going to shut down. And I was like, okay, I have no idea how long this is going to last. So, uh, this being my full-time job, I was like, uh, where do I take my clients? I'm like, I'm like scrambling through my head, talking to my wife. What do I do? So we have this unfinished basement at the time. And it, I had maybe five kettlebells. I had a barbell. I had some plates. That's it. But I was like, Hey, let's be innovative. Let's try and do this. And I also, I did do uh, migrate a little bit more to the, the online. So like FaceTime sessions. Um, but 
I started inviting clients over. Hey, or not inviting them. I was like, Hey, do you, would you, would you want to do this? Would you want to come to the basement? Would you want to still train? Most of them were like, yeah, because I enjoy working out. The gym shut down. Um, obviously we took precautions of like hand sanitizer masks. Uh, but yeah, they, they started there. And then I was just like, Hey, this is kind of working out. I'm going to start trying to scramble and buy some equipment wherever it was available. So I was like trying to, I was going through Facebook marketplace. I was going through KSL. Um, and then basically long story short was the gym reopened. Um, and then I kind of got faced with the situation of, Hey, you're either going to do your own thing or you're going to come back to the gym without doing your own thing. Right. So I had this kind of like taste of what it was like to do my own thing and have my own gym. And this is where the fear set in because I'm, I'm very much like I, the unknown, right? I have no idea what could have happened. So, uh, after talking to my wife, going through like numbers, details, uh, I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's start my own thing. And I mean, worst case, I can always go maybe back to that same gym or maybe to a different gym. Uh, but it's, it, it has been the fear that led up to it, the unknown, everything where I am at now, there were, there were a few mistakes along the way, but it has been the best move for my career. <laughs> in the last 11 years. Man, I am just so happy to hear that story. Again, we have so many similarities and we remember getting called back to the gym. One of the things that motivated us to start our business during the pandemic was the fact that people people's behaviors had changed and they weren't necessarily going oh, yeah. to go back. Like they actually enjoyed working out at home or in parks or with totally. minimal amounts of equipment or with the stuff they, you know, that had been collecting dust in their own basements. You know what I mean? And like they, they, they didn't yep. necessarily want to get gussied up to go to a fancy gym anymore. Yeah, totally. That's amazing. Well, I absolutely love that. And like I said, one of the things that I respect the most about you and watching you on Instagram is the vast amount of different tools and resources that you use with your clients and how you are mm -hmm. able to show those on Instagram freely so people can learn and people can try to do some of the things you do. So as I was kind of planning out this episode and trying to think of how we could make this um, you know, really fun and unique, I was thinking about maybe talking about all the different modalities you use, but I decided on let's, let's dial up a few kind of like normal scenarios of people that would reach out to you, something mm -hmm. that, that a lot of the listeners could maybe relate to and talk about your ideas of program design and, you know, where you think there's opportunities, where the risks are, things you're going to be watching more than others so that people can get a sense of, oh, like if I'm working with a personal trainer, if I'm working with Jason, I'm not just getting a cookie cutter program, you know, do exactly this list of exercises that I give to everybody. It's so highly customized and individualized, which I, I love and appreciate. So if you don't mind, we can talk about a few different scenarios and, and deep dive in each one. Absolutely. Great. Love that idea. Great. Okay. So one that I see commonly and I see commonly around here, you know, in Utah and the Salt Lake Valley, we get to have like bigger families. Lots of people have a bunch of kids and, you know, the mom can have mm -hmm. several kids and we, we notice like the kind of, you know, they're a little bit financially more well off later in life, but maybe they've sacrificed themselves quite a bit. And so I'm thinking like a 40 year old mom, she wants to kind of lose weight, but her priority is to her family and she wants to take care of her family. She does want, you know, to lose the stubborn weight that, you know, maybe each pregnancy she gained 10 or 15 pounds and wasn't able to get it off. What are some of the things you're thinking about when you're thinking about program design for somebody like that? Totally. So one of the first things I would ask if I am talking to this, uh, 40 year old mom is, uh, what have you been doing the past six months? Uh, what's the goal, which we kind of went over. 
and if they have any injuries, because all those things I can kind of base a, a really well sought out plan off of that. You know, if she's dealing with a shoulder injury, then I can manipulate anything to adjust for that shoulder or the knee or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so basically I'm not trying to, if she comes at me with the injury from the injury standpoint of, yeah, my shoulder's been kind of bugging. I'm not going to directly go and say, okay, let's try and fix the shoulder because I'd rather, you know, I, I can, there may, there may be things I can do to help, but I want her to, to give her a workout while just adapting to that injury and then potentially helping that injury along the way. Um, and then, so yeah, we, we, we would go into it. We would have our first session from a programming standpoint. I'm looking at it like, okay, I've never heard of anybody complain of being too strong. Number one. Um, I want to make sure that she's moving really well, whether that's like the lunging, like I take like the basic movement patterns of lunge, squat, hinge, push, pull. Sometimes we'll add some carries. Uh, but then from that, there's so many like variables, so so much variety you can do with just like a push-up per se. Right. And this is where I think a lot of people go wrong is yeah, like, yeah, there's the push-up, but I can elevate her hands. I can elevate her feet. I can add weight to her back. I can add tempo. I can do one and a half reps. Like there's so many different varieties you can do for one specific movement. So I don't like to get super complicated with the movement I'm doing. Um, but for, for the specific uh, case, I would say, let's get her strong. Let's get her moving right. Um, and along the lines with, with, with those two words are, um, I never want to put strength on dysfunction, right? So if, the, if she's moving and her lunge looks off, I'm never going to load that until the lunge looks right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's very simple. Like every trainer should think about doing that. Um, it's nothing, it's nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. Um, and th- it, it would save so much challenge for the future. So I'm I, again with that too, I'm looking at, and I just made a post about this long-term, whether we call it athletic development or whether we call it development in general, uh, I'm looking at what, is she going to be doing five years from now, 10 years from now, right? Whether that's not training, if it's training with me, great. If it's not also great because I'm setting her up for success down the road. Um, so the long-term development is absolute key when I think about that. So then you can move into like, uh, well, if she wants the weight loss, if she's looking at a little bit of weight loss, I would, I would then figure in some sort of, uh, conditioning aspect or cardio aspect, something to kind of keep the heart rate elevated through the session while still attacking those pillars of get her strong, uh, get her moving right. Um, and on the side of nutrition, I don't, I don't dive a whole lot into the nutrition side. Like I'm not going to write meal plans. Granted, I, I could, I just don't like to quite frankly. Um, so basically what I would give her is, is I would say, here's some guidelines on caloric intake, protein intake. Uh, we could even dive into fat and carb intake, but the guidelines would be, okay, this is what, this is why you're not potentially dropping those 10 to 15 pounds. Here's what you can do to, to, to go more into the direction of dropping that weight. Gotcha. So it's not like a set thing where they have to be tracking all the time. It's just something they could be more aware of in general. Exactly. Yeah. Because like I'm, I'm coming from the, the standpoint of, and I get it, like everybody's going to be different about this, but if I, if my six year olds having a birthday party I'm not going to think to myself, oh, I can't enjoy and spend time and hang out with my family because I'm limited by, by what I have to eat and how much I have to eat. So I'm like, hey, go enjoy it. Uh, but just realize, hey, maybe we're a little bit over on the calories. So maybe the next day, settle down and, and, and don't consume as much. Mm. 
Yeah, I really love that. I find that this type of person, you know, kind of kind of getting into forties, maybe into menopause, um, for females tend to do pretty well with a very very light um, time restricted eating, like maybe just skipping a meal in the morning and then eating a more normal yeah, mixed sure. meal for for lunch and dinner. They seem to respond really really well to that and matches with their hormones pretty well. Um, I'm not a corrective exercise specialist, although I'm very familiar uh-huh. with the certification. My my wife Bethany is, and so I'm sitting next to the textbook that talks all about it and. Uh, you nice. know, corrective corrective work is very interesting, and it's so helpful to get in and help somebody who's in pain and, and fix different muscle imbalances. But I remember really early on in my career, one of my very first managers said that, like, you can correct something all day every single time this person comes in, and you can get them better movement in a problem area. But at some point, that person is also looking for those other results. They want to lose weight. They want to get strong. And so yeah. it's. I, I wonder, would you agree with that statement? It sounds like you totally do, that, like, yeah, we want to we yeah, fix the shoulder but you can do that along the way and still get really good results on those other things. Yeah. Because of the way I look at it is like this person's hiring me as a personal trainer, as someone who wants to get them in shape or get them strong. So I'm not going to spend the whole hour looking at their shoulder or doing things for their shoulder because that's not why they hired me. If they want to do that, I'll say, Hey, maybe we can. But like, to me, that's super interesting. That's really cool. But I would rather you know, if an overhead press hurts her and hurts her shoulder, let's try a landmine press. See if that limiting the shoulder flexion helps. Or let's try lateral raises. Or let's try taking a band. Like let's try different variety. Build it up from ground zero. So I, I use progressions and regressions all the time, and they are one of the best tools in in a trainer's toolbox is progressing and regressing because you can go all the way down to ground zero and then just build up from there. Like it's all about just slowly dosing properly to 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 get the result while still like, it's like, we're working out, but we're also strengthening the, strengthening the shoulder or whatever it is. Yeah. That's interesting. I think, um, I think, yeah, not a lot of people consider that even personal trainers don't really consider that as much. And people say like, Oh, well I can't do a push up, So they never tried doing anything, you know, a horizontal push. Well, you can modify that in many, many different ways to meet the client where they are and still get really good results. Um, I am curious, do you correct more now like correcting form, do you correct more form now than you did in the beginning or less than you did in the beginning? That's a great question. I think thinking about it, I corrected differently. Ah. So I, I actually had a client tell me this uh, just a few weeks ago, but she's like, you're very, I, don't, I forgot the exact term she used, but she's like, you're kind of daring. And meaning what I kind of do is I will let them like, let's say, what was she doing? Okay. Like, let's say, let's say we're, let's say we're squatting and we're having this, the successive knee cave come in. Okay. I'll say, okay, like keep squatting. Let's go to 10 reps. I'll let them squat 10 reps with that excessive knee cave. They're doing body weight. Okay. And then I'll kind of say, uh, okay, well, what I noticed. So the other thing, like with, with training is very, 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 very important not to give so much negative feedback. Right. So it's, it's how you deliver this, this cueing and it's how you deliver this, this correctiveness, uh, which, which I found to be great delivering it in a good way. So it's like, I'll let them experience the, the thing that needs to be corrected. And then I'll give like one or two cues. Like maybe I'll say, Hey, that squat looked really good. Let's maybe try and keep the knees out a little bit. I won't even tell them that their knees are coming in. You know what I mean? Whereas before I could have been like, wow, you have this like excessive knee cave you're folding forward whatever you're doing that we have to correct like i'll tell them 
back then I would tell them the what was happening and then I would correct it. Whereas now I won't even tell them what's happening. And I, then I'll just correct it. I don't know. I just kind of, I'm approaching it more of a different way, more of a kind of a maybe positive way, maybe a more positive feedback and cueing. And it's worked out great. That's great. There's so much psychological, you know, dealing with people and delivering messages that goes into personal training, communicating uh, properly. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you and I both understand when we took our NASM certifications, it doesn't say there's two ways to squat. It's like you squat this way, this one way, there's no other ways. And so like you sit there and see people move and it's like kind of, you know, doesn't fit that parameter and you're sitting there correcting everything over and over. And it's like over time, yeah. I'm kind of with you. Like I, I definitely correct a lot less as long as the person is not going to hurt themselves. I'll let them move and figure things yeah, out for exactly. themselves. And then you can correct things slowly over time as you go. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. That was very well explained. I really appreciate those answers. Um, the next scenario I want to talk about is the 50-year-old really stressed out CEO. And there's a really kind of interesting pattern that I notice with these people, if not always just a generalization, but typically the high achievers, the people that climb the top of the corporate ladder, they're, they want to be high achievers mm -hmm. in everything. So this person is also a weekend warrior Ironman. <laughs> They're mixing yep. 50 hour work weeks with 50 hour training blocks in a week and trying to spend 50 yeah. hours with their family and they have two hours to sleep per week. Like they're just really redlining everything. Tell me some of the things totally. that you are kind of going to be watching out for and the things you're going to be prescribing. So load management on this one is going to be key. Um, and this kind of, I mean, this goes along with, with other situations like this too, but load management what i'm doing like i can dictate everything that this person does when they come and see me so i can say okay knowing what's going to cause central nervous fatigue which which or uh, or versus what's going to cause more muscular fatigue or what's going to be more of a peripheral approach which is like let's say let's say this person just ran a, a an, an iron man uh they're coming to train on monday right you just got done sunday i would say that's not the time to like put them through a crushing workout um, and hopefully like building a buy-in is, is huge. Like, you know, these other trainers are doing and people are doing, but you have to get these people to trust you. Right. Um, I literally had somebody, a client tell me hours ago that they're like, uh, I trust you. And they, they, they asked me a question and I gave them an answer. They're like, yeah, I 100% trust you. And when they said that, like that, that just makes me extremely more motivated and happy and grateful that they trust me. Meaning I, now what I tell them to do, like they will do it. So I have to look out for their best interest. So with this, with this 50 year old who's extremely stressed out, um, he runs a company, lack of sleep. Uh, I mean, we would obviously talk about those things and how all stressors can add up, but load management is key in the gym. So maybe not, not prescribing such high volume on certain days. Uh, again, I would still kind of take the same approach as the, the 40 year old mom, which is gaining strength which is potentially maybe gaining muscle for this guy, uh, which is uh, m helping them move better. Uh, but the load management is going to be key. Yeah, totally agree. This is where I, I, in the past, have had good results using things like HRV, heart rate variability, to see what kind of load yeah, exactly. that person was under. We'd always learn like weird things. Like if the, I, we had one guy that if he would fly, if he flew the day before, the very next day, it would always be a really low HRV day, and we couldn't we couldn't load him up with a lot of stuff. But I always like the idea yeah. of kind of having like a B workout in the back pocket for somebody who comes in and they oh, are totally. really tired and like like a rest day or something. And a rest day, people get really frustrated. 
fascinated by it and they never want to take rest days, but rest day doesn't necessarily mean do nothing and sit on the couch and binge shit's creek. Exactly. Like you can still do something. Let's work yeah. on mobility. Let's work on core strength. Let's just not do a really intense, you know, heart rate metabolic type workout in that scenario. Let's maybe work on something different and we can make a lot of progress doing that. Exactly. And I actually utilize that a lot with, uh, with a lot of my clients is kind of like a high, low approach, which is like a Charlie Francis, um, kind of methodology. But you know, where one day where let's say they come in and they're completely gassed and tired or they, they're not feeling right. Then I would take a low day approach and I would say, okay, let's maybe do some, uh, light aerobic conditioning. Let's work on peripheral muscles, which again, peripheral muscles are like, let's do some bicep curls, some triceps, some lateral raises, right? Something that's not going to fatigue them a whole lot. Because they're already, their central nervous system is so fried and fatigued, the last thing you need to do is fry that even more. Mm. Yeah, I love that. The stress management piece is so, so important. And, and the thing to realize for most people is stress comes in so many different forms, but your body doesn't really know the difference. It just accumulates in a lot of different things. So like you, if you have work stress totally. and you have workout stress and you live in a stressful environment and you're using microwaves and plastics and live in the city with a lot of pollution, like those things have accumulated effects and they will all add up and they can break people. It's really, it's all stress. It's all stress. Exactly. I really like the idea of looking at it like a bank account where you make deposits and you also take withdrawals. And if you keep withdrawing that bank account, you're going to be really running out of money pretty quick unless you're depositing good sleep, quality diet, mobility work, uh, walking sometimes, meditation, any of those things that can address some of those stresses in life. So it's just not too much for that person. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, next scenario. This is one of my favorites. Um, Both you and I got to work with a very, very high-level soccer player, uh, teenager, again, extremely high-level, and and the work work ethic is is just so cool. A big shout-out to Willow, um, who we both have gotten to train, like I said. Um, She's just an amazing person. And, like, with this this type of athlete, it's really interesting. It's like like, this is a, a level three type of an athlete, if I'm going by my nutrition coaching certification, where it's not like, Mm -hmm. you know, the first scenario that we talked about where it's like, let's watch your food a little bit. Let's kind of have some basics in mind. You're not going to nail this perfectly. You can enjoy birthday parties. This person is not that this person is, you get extremely specific recommendations. You just do them. Like you have to figure out a way to do them. If somebody's cooking for you, if somebody's shopping for you, if you're doing it, like there's no other choice. You got to kind of execute the plan. So when you see somebody Mm -hmm. like that performing at a very high level, could be younger in their training career, what things are you looking for there? So that would be, that would be more along the lines of, of what I would kind of break down their strengths and weaknesses. So, at, you know, at that level, they are at that like higher level, but there are some strengths and weaknesses. Um, so I would, I would try and figure out, I mean, whether that's taking them through some sort of tests that could determine a strength and weakness, whether that's like a, like a jump test to see if they are more of a force dependent athlete meaning they're strong or whether they're more of a velocity dependent athlete who meaning meaning that they're uh, that they're maybe quick they can jump high typically there there are discrepancies between those two if i were going to take them through a test so then i would say okay this person needs work with force production so then i would we would we would do a training program specifically more focused on force production less on the velocity side of things um or maybe taking them through um, whatever their sport is, let's say in this case, soccer, uh, what are kind of the top or the higher rated injury rates uh, in this sport? And then do exercises that 
could reduce the risk of anything happening uh, with those, let's say, knee injury or ankle injury, groin I was, injury. I was going to say with um, soccer, it's it's normally transverse plane at the knee, right? Is it like a twisting exercise yeah. where you're planted? Is that the most common? Uh, well, yeah. Like if you like if you think of like an ACL injury, there's two mm-hmm. ways that an ACL injury could happen, and it's it's through that rotation that you talked about, where like the tibia or the lower half stays still, and the, the upper half rotates, so you get this rotation at the knee. Or it's through hyperextension. So if the if the leg if the knee goes backwards um, excessively, then that, that's that's the way it could happen. So you know what we do in that case is we work in in the more lateral plane. We do rotational things, whether that's rotational jumps. Um, decelerating is also a huge thing that I would work on, um, like you know running from a sprint, stopping at a specific spot. Um, yeah, like definitely working in the multi planes is good. Yeah. Interesting. This is where specificity becomes so important. Like if we go back again to that first scenario that we talked about the, the 40 year old mom, we can give uh, such a wide variety of different exercises yeah. done in different ways. And like, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Let's incorporate some of those basic movements. Like you talked about a push, a pull, a hinge, those kinds of things are all really important, but you're opening, opening up to such a wide range of, of things to do where like you don't get better at, at soccer by playing tennis. And those two things have completely different movement components, metabolic components. And, and that needs to be mimicked in the training. There's so much change of direction. Exactly. You're always playing on grass. Like you're playing in different temperatures at different altitudes. Like all of that needs to be considered when you're designing a program yep. for that person. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. It was so fun to watch Willow specifically bring a bag of soccer balls, like 20 soccer balls into the back in like, you know, December, there's snow on the ground. She doesn't care. She's clearing off a little piece of turf and just blasting soccer balls off the crossbar from like 40 feet. Like so cool to see. (laughs) Yeah, that girl, that girl has grit. And I mean, that's, that's another conversation, but all these high school kids that want to make it to a college level, like it's, I've seen a lot. And I mean, you need, you need the grit, you need the drive for sure. And if you want to make it to that level, totally. It's so cutthroat out there. Um, so I guess main priorities would be training specifically for your sport injury prevention. Mm -hmm. Obviously injury would be so detrimental, especially at a young age for that particular sport. If you lose a developmental year, you know, because you're rehabbing a knee versus outplaying, that's such a big difference. Those are the biggest, um, areas of opportunity for you. Yeah. And just, uh, breaking down their strengths and weaknesses. Ah, that's great. That. Awesome. Okay. Next one. This is, let's say somebody a little bit younger, they have zero knowledge of workouts or eating well. They don't really cook. They're grub hubbing, you know, a few times a day, yeah. possibly they're maybe they don't look like they're horribly out of shape. They just haven't done anything. And maybe they're just almost like a, a skinny fat. What are some things you're considering when working with this person? So, uh, nu- nutrition aside, obviously we, we would, we would definitely touch on that. Um, but it's, it's kind of the same thing is it's the very general approach. Like with this 40 year old mom, uh, this person just needs to kind of get moving and everything that you give them will be a novice stimulus. So they will, they will get strong from that. Um, if they've never done anything before, if they've never worked out, then you can do body weight squats, two sets and, they will obviously get strong for that. They'll, they'll, they'll have some sort of adaptation and it's just that that's the most important part. I think if this person, let's say has never worked out or dealing with anybody who's never worked out, they are coming to you uh, and they're, they're a blank canvas. So everything that you give them is just even more important because the, the way people learn, I, I read this book. Um, it's like a guide to better movement. I think it is. 
but it's very interesting on everything that you give somebody, their brain takes it and learns from that. So you have to just be extremely careful because it's easier to wire a movement first than it is to rewire a bad movement. So it's very, it's very hard <clears throat> to rewire faulty patterns. So that's what, I mean, that's, that's everything that you give this person or I would give this person their lunge squat hinge push pull has to be really good. Yeah. Just make sure those movements are covered and then you can add complexity and different elements as you go. But you're right. Like pretty much anything will work in the beginning. If you stick with those um, fundamentals, one of my favorite books, I don't know if you've read this one. Um, one of my favorite books is called go wild. And it makes the point that we have built computers that can pretty easily beat us at chess, but we will never be able to make a machine that can reach out and articulate a chess yeah. piece with the grace and ease that humans can. And it makes that specifically the, the reference of like, think about, think about opening a door, pulling the door and walking through it. Like everybody does that without giving it a second thought, maybe hundreds of times yeah. a day. That is so crazy complex and the coordination and proprioception balance, spatial awareness, oh, yeah. all that is, is crazy. And it, it, the point being that like the brain, we think of the brain as like remembering, you know, rap lyrics or something from, from yeah. a decade ago, but it's way more about coordinating movement. Totally. Yeah. And so sad to think that our brain size peaked, you know, 10, 15,000 years ago. <laughs> and, and those humans were probably way more dexterous and fit and, and, you know, graceful than we are today. It's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, I do want to comment a little bit about nutrition on this one. I, I, I don't yeah. know how you feel about it. So I would just, I would want your, your feedback. I think the place I would start yeah. nutrition wise with this person is I would tell them to find anything that they could make at home and start making one or two meals more per week at home than they did previously. And I wouldn't care. Yeah, I, like that. I wouldn't care if they were getting, you know, you know, pasta from a box and ragu spaghetti sauce and boiling the pasta and making that at home. And I, I find that if people just start at any level of just, just eat real food, eat food that you made, whatever it is, they start to notice different tastes over time. They start to understand that quality makes a difference and they'll naturally kind of gravitate towards whatever nutritional preferences they have. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, the last scenario I wanted to talk about, we get these from time to time. I had one when I was back at the gym, so much fun. This is somebody older age, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, and you know, they made it this far in life and they just want to have the rest of their time to really enjoy their lives. I think with today's day and age, we get so many people that can live a long life. They have a long lifespan, but they have such a poor health span. It's like, I personally would rather die at 60 having a nice healthy life versus dying at 90 and being kept alive by a bunch of drugs and medications and surgeries and things like that. This yeah. is just for the person that wants to continue to age well <clears throat> and have health span, not just lifespan. What things would you be thinking about here? It's movement. Movement would be what I would be thinking of here. So whether that's, I, I would think of breaking down, let's call it, specific joints uh thoracic shoulder hip knee ankle um and then gearing my programming based around the movement of those joints so let's say for example a row a cable row let's say in a half kneeling position half kneeling cable row they're down i would say 
okay, let's pull the cable back and, and then let, let's, let's release, let's extend the arm, extend the shoulder. When you get to the end, rotate, give a little thoracic rotation towards that front knee, right? So that's, so now we're adding in this rotation and most people at the gym, you know, these, the bodybuilders where have you are like, no, 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 you shouldn't rotate right at the end. But so, so you, that's where rethinking and, and putting movement first comes a little bit before the strength and the hypertrophy side of things. So I, in that case, yeah, I would add a little bit of rotation at the thoracic, add an exhale at the end and then pull back. Things would be obviously much more slower. Uh, so for some, actually I have like a 75 year old who we used to, we <clears throat> do some plyometrics, some jumps, some med ball stuff. Um, but I would definitely think of the movement as mm. first. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that's interesting. I do like the concept of moving slower and challenging, you know, the muscle fibers in a way we, we had, um, Fred Hahn on our show, uh, last year. And he made the point that when we refer to muscle tissue, you know, slow twitch, fast twitch, muscle tissue, we're not talking about the rate at which that tissue is firing. We're talking about the rate at which that tissue is going to fatigue, which means you can still yeah. train at a slow tempo, but if you're pushing that person based on Henneman's law, you, you're recruiting first the slow twitch, then more of the intermediate twitch, and then more of the fast twitch muscles. So you absolutely can work the entire spectrum and range of muscle tissue, even if you're working at a slow tempo, which is then really pretty much eliminating any type of risk of injury for that person. Totally. Yeah. Another um, benefit that not a lot of people talk about as far as strength training is inside the bones. Can you talk a little bit about strength training and how that benefits our bones? Oh, like bone density? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it, it benefits. <laughs> I mean, there's not much, there's not much else to say about it. It's like, it's, it's a hundred percent going to be like, I mean, if you look at all the, all the studies out there, all the, the, the research, it's like, Oh, you want to increase bone density? I mean, strength train, like strength train. Don't just like jump on the, 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 the treadmill and, and start walking. Let's lift. And obviously it, it would be, if you know nothing about it, it'd be in your best interest to find somebody who can help you with that. Like a trainer. Um, but it hundred percent benefits bone density. Yeah. I mean, and I, I agree with you so much on that. You know, all of these scenarios, definitely you want to hire somebody who is a professional who can watch you and make sure that you're moving properly. But I just think how critical, you know, like a hinge pattern is for this person where you're, you're bending over mm -hmm. to pick something off, off the ground. We know a lot of people can really hurt their back if they're not doing that properly, but it's such a basic movement. And if you don't have a trainer watching you, you know, you can really get hurt if you're trying to do that movement yourself or without even without strength training, you're just picking up a box off the floor or something. Yep. Yeah. As far as the bones go, I'll often like kind of show people like a pen. And if you kind of flex the two ends of the pen, like the pen is still, you know, in, in its same shape, but it does flex quite a bit. And that flexing mm -hmm. movement is what helps strengthen those bones. It also strength training can really help the connective tissue, the ligaments and tendons, which takes so much longer yep. to <clears throat> recover after they've been injured. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely, that's another thing too, is I'll take into consideration tendon health and tendon strength and, and not just thinking about the, the, the muscle belly, but I mean, we want to think of the, the, the tendons and ligaments. Gotcha. If you had access to, um, full machines or full gym for this particular person, would you lean more towards the machines than you would towards the free weights? Or how would you think about that? No, I would lean a little bit more towards the free weights because you're just, you're, you're doing things in, in more of a whole body approach versus, I mean, again, I, not that I wouldn't use the machines, which I, I, I could, but I would just use them in a different way of, 
of let's say adding isometrics, let's say really focusing on eccentric movement. Um, yeah, like I, I, I would, I would gear more towards doing free weight stuff. Gotcha. Well, one thing um, that we kind of know, we become more um, resistant to to gaining muscle as we age. So I'm so glad you mentioned strength training versus like doing heavy cardio. Although I think cardiovascular exercise is really important to incorporate things like walking yeah. or, you know, walking up inclines and stairs and, and keeping strong that way. Um, it is more and more difficult to build muscle as we age, as we know. What nutritional principles yep. or generalized principles? Is this gets to be a little bit harder because these people have pretty much been eating whatever they've wanted to eat. And that's pretty sad. It's a lot harder to change somebody's nutrition, but what kind of priorities would you point out to that person just in general? I'd say, Hey, uh, focus on your protein intake. Yeah. Yeah. And I would start there. And if they're like, <clears throat> Oh yeah. Like, and I would suggest some, some supplements if they feel like they can't get it in. So like a protein shake, uh, a protein bar, like those kind of supplements. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, just anything that increased the protein intake. Totally. Yeah. I would, you know, recommend at least getting, you know, one or two like palm sized, um, servings of vegetable or not vegetables of protein in every meal and just kind yeah. of start there and see what headway you can make with them. But yeah, that combined with strength training, you know, what a lot of people fear as they age is, you know, the fall, what we know how most people go out, they, you know, yes. slip fall and you know, that's kind of the broken hip that kind of starts the trend downward in health. Yep. And I think it's, I think it's a balanced thing, but I also more and more think it is a, a muscle tissue thing and being able to react when you slip, when you trip, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. I don't know if you, have you heard of the, the test where you sit on your butt on the floor and you try and stand up and every, if you have to touch your hand to the floor, touch your knee to the floor, touch your elbow to the floor, it deducts a point. And there was actually a, it, there's, it, it was a study and it predicted uh, mortal, mortality rates. So every point that, that landed on the floor, if you had to touch your hand twice, you're deducted two points, which means your your risk of of is much is much uh, of higher because of the point of falling. Right, if you fall and you can't get back up, like what what are you going to do? Yeah. Um. So it tested kind of strength. Wow. I love that. I love that we can go into indigenous tribes and see people that are aging that are they don't they don't look old. They still retain their muscle. They're still happy yeah. and they contribute to society. And we just have this idea of like a slow, steady decline until you die, where we can have a totally different approach and say, no, like kick ass and thrive until you drop dead. Exactly. Like it's totally yep. different. And it doesn't have to be that you are of poor health and getting poorer and poorer over time. You can build this up. You know, you can improve, you can still gain muscle. I was shocked. I had a, a my seven year old guy who came in, we were actually able to add quite a bit of muscle and, and really helped him with his movement. And, and helped him, you know, babysitting the kids every day. And I, I thought past a certain age, you couldn't really make much headway there, but you, you absolutely can. And it's never too late to get started and improve some of this stuff. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Awesome. So speaking of supplements, um, we mentioned <clears throat> in the, in the introduction, your pre-workout, which I want to get to, but before we do mm -hmm. in general, what supplements do you find to be the most helpful, uh, for general population? So the, for general population, I would suggest some sort of, of, of protein supplement if they, if they feel the need that they need a supplement protein. So whether that's a shake, I love the Fairlife shakes, taste great, um, and already pre-made. Uh, and then I would, I, would, I would suggest creatine monohydrate. I would suggest caffeine if they're looking for some sort of performance enhancer. Um, I would suggest vitamin D typically. I mean, obviously if, if you are low, great. If that's kind of one of those things where I would like maybe go get tested to see if you're low, but chances of you being low are probably pretty high. Um, and then some sort of fish oil and that's it. 
Yeah, I love all of those. It's funny, creatine's been around for so long and is so well-tested. I kind of sleep on it from time to time. And I was having yeah. a discussion with somebody who was talking about it. And I recently decided to add it back in after not having <clears> it <throat> in. And it's amazing what a difference it makes. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe the public eye on creatine. It's whether it's either a steroid that you shouldn't be taking or it's either you know, you're going to retain water and you're going to gain all this weight from taking creatine. But I think people just have the wrong expectation of what it does. Yeah, totally. And so many different benefits, you know, for so oh, many so different many. people. Yeah, so many. that's awesome. So tell me in, in the world of pre-workout, what have you tried in the past and what were you, what did you like and what did you dislike about what you were seeing? Yeah. So, I mean, shoot, my first pre-workout I took like, I mean, when I was in high school, and this was back when, like, do you remember Jack 3D? Dude, and my skin just is <laughs> on fire thinking yeah, about it. Like, it was crazy. And now I think it's banned because of the one to three dimethylamine <laughs> that was in there, which is that banned substance, right? But anyways, yeah, that was probably one of, that was one of, like, the first pre-workouts I took. I, you know, I took, like, C4. Um, I mean, I can't, it's very hard for me to work out without having a pre-workout only because I feel like I'm relying on it. Um, that or, like, drinking a coffee or whatever. But um, yeah, I've been taking pre-workout for a while, but it hasn't been since like, I've gotten a little bit older. I've, I've, I've cared a little bit more about my health and I'm like, geez, like looking at all these, these supplement lists and these ingredients. And I'm just like, what is the efficacy of these ingredients? So if you look up, like, I don't know, like, I don't want to take stabs or anything. So let me be careful of what, of what I'm going to say, but I don't know. Let's say you look up <clears throat> an ingredient that's in a pre-workout. And if you use the website examine.com, it has all references, all scientific papers at the top. It has the details on yes, this works or no, it does not work. So if you look up this ingredient and it does not work, then why even bother taking it? You know what I mean? Like that, that's my, that's my standpoint now. So when I developed this concoction of, of what I wanted in my pre-workout, I'm like, what works? What has papers to back its efficacy? And, and let's use that. Like, I'm not going to throw in unwanted stuff. Um, and it's very like, I'm very transparent about what's in it and anybody can go and copy the ingredients in it and make it. And I suggest they, they do that. Or if, if they don't want to buy mine, because those are the ones, those are the ingredients that work. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. You mentioned efficacy, which is so interesting. This is saying whether something works or whether it doesn't work. There's also one level deeper, which is safety. Something could oh, not sure. work, but you know, worst case scenario, it's just, it's, you know, it's not bad for you. It's just, it's not going to work. It's waste. But I yeah. think in, especially in the supplement world, which is unregulated, by the way, people can exactly. say anything is in this bottle and put whatever they want in the bottle. But, yep. but, but there, there's things that I believe that actively make their way into some of these supplements that are really straight up, like not good for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, hundred percent. So what are some of the ingredients that you find to be the most effective that you made sure to include in your pre-workout? So we had creatine monohydrate, which like you mentioned, is the longest studied with over, I mean, over 500 for sure. I don't know if it's, it's close to a thousand studies on creatine monohydrate, 
Um, and, and again, I use the word creatine monohydrate. There are also different varieties of creatine that are, it, it's, it's no, it's no really point in taking the other forms because creatine monohydrate does what it's supposed to do. Um, we have beta alanine, which is a vasodilator. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, it's kind of like beta alanine, beta alanine is, the one uh, that kind of gives you the itchy feeling on your skin. Um, people can develop tolerances to that. So sometimes uh, people don't get that feeling, but that is what, what beta alanine does. It just makes increases the size of the blood vessel, increases blood flow, decreases blood pressure. Um, and then there's citrulline malate, which kind of does the same thing. It's a, it increases nitric oxide synthesis in the body. So um, it kind of piggybacks on beta alanine. Um, and then caffeine, of course, um, as a performance enhancer, it's, it's the most effective stimulant, um, you know, other than, you know, without getting into illegal stimulants or, or substances, but, uh, caffeine and then vitamin B12, uh, just as another energy source, uh, another transporter, you know, and, and some people are even low in vitamin B12. So why not, why not throw it in there? Yeah, no, that's great. I think that sounds really well balanced and has a lot of important things in there. How much caffeine are you including in one serving? There's 200 milligrams per okay. serving. Yeah. Reasonable, not enough to tranquilize a horse, but you know, yeah, exactly. To, <laughs> yeah. have to give you a jolt. No, that's great, man. Like I said, the supplement world is a bit of a quagmire and it's really difficult to know who's making good products and who's just making snake oil. So we just really appreciate the honesty and transparency that you include in that. How are you able to make it so affordable? It's a really good price. Um, because I mean, to be quite honest, I'm not trying to like make money from the supplement. So I, uh, I just want a good supplement that I can provide to my clients. Like I'm not trying to, to replace my, my income with this supplement. I just wanted something that I can trust to deliver uh, to my clients and anybody else that wants a, a trustworthy supplement. I love that. That's a great motivation behind making a great product. Tell me a little bit yeah. about what is in the future for the lab. It doesn't sound like you're going to be going back to a gym anytime soon. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the future is going to hold, uh, Oh, I don't know. I mean, I like what I'm doing here. I like, I like where the gym is at. Um, probably a little bit more time management on my part. Um, spend a little bit more time with the family, three kids and a wife. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just like where it's at. I just like consistently delivering a good brand, a good product, a good service. Um, and that's what I kind of want to be known for. Like, uh, even with the, with the future supplements that I may provide. And, and I think that's, that's also the other case too, is considering future supplements, whether that's some sort of recovery drink or whether that's, uh, continuing to put out more pre-workout, uh, different flavors and whatnot, but yeah, just, just, just good service. Cause I want to, I want to do the training industry good and yeah, that's it. That's great. As far as being an entrepreneur, what's been the easiest and <clears throat> most fun thing for you and what's been the most challenging thing for you? I think the most fun thing has been, I get to do what I want and design what I want. Like if I need a piece of equipment, I'll go get the piece of equipment or, um, I could play whatever music, you know, like it's super cool. Um, you know, people, people like to say, Oh yeah, I got to make my own schedule, but that's cool. But I think I've kind of overworked that a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm working like a lot 
maybe too many hours. But anyways, the most challenging part, I mean, I don't know. That's a great question. Always the business part of the side of things is, is pretty challenging. Just making sure that I'm delivering like a very high quality all the time, making sure that that my marketing is always there. Um, yeah. And I think like, just for me, the fear of, uh, I always have this underlying fear of, oh, two clients could stop training. Now I lose X amount of money per month. Now, how do I replace that? How do I like, yeah, my brain's always working like that. Um, yeah. And I probably shouldn't be living in, in fear like that, but you know, for a business. Yeah. We, maybe that's, uh, <clears throat> we totally, totally relate to that. It's, it, it was interesting, especially this year, the winter of 2022, so many people got sick, like our January, we probably lost half of our sessions and it's yeah. not like you can just like have a new client all of a sudden, like building up to start training somebody, building trust to, to the point that somebody's going to want to, you know, pay you, you have to do an incredible amount of work and legwork and marketing and giving away free stuff to be able to get there. So that definitely was a challenge, especially this year when so many people were sick, it's nice to see that people are, you know, coming back out and, and are getting a lot better and the pandemic's really waning. Um, yeah. this is a very honest question. I <laughs> very honest question. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something I struggle with constantly when, is it enough? When do you say this was my day? Ooh. I did everything I could. <laughs> Dude, I, I hate this question. If you asked me, I'd be pissed because I never know. When is it time? When is it time to close the laptop and be done for the day and let it lie where it is? I think this is what I struggle with and my wife will hundred percent agree. But I think as if you have this entrepreneur mindset, if you have the grit, I don't think enough is ever enough. Like I'm constantly, and I actually have like OCD pretty good. So this doesn't help the situation, but I'm constantly thinking of, oh, I have to do that. 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 And if I don't get this done, then how am I going to get this done? Like it's that answer that I, I can't answer that. Like, I don't know. Damn. <laughs> I don't know when enough is never enough. And maybe that's something I need to work on, but that's, it's very hard. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I really needed help with it's, that, man. It's, tough. <laughs> it's I mean, it's tough. Like in the service industry, it's either like you you have to know what your time is worth. And I don't know, maybe that's what it is. But even I've like I've done the numbers. I'm like, okay, I want to make this much per year, which means I only have to train this much and and this much per week. And that's like I'm not cutting my work to make those numbers. I just I just consistently keep going. And yeah. It's, it's very, it's very hard. And I mean, I, I enjoy it. I haven't, I, there's been times that I've reached the burnt out, the burn, the burnout, but, uh, you know, you just kind of manage and, and you just keep going. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I think with both of us having backgrounds with big corporate gyms, the answer to that question, when is it enough is, is one more or, you know, another client, your yeah. next client, it's, it's more than whatever, whatever X is now, it has to be Y it has to be constantly, constantly more. And I do think it's really wise to, to do what you said, which is sit down, decide how much money you think you want. What are the things you need to pay for? And then reverse engineer exactly. it and then say, you know what? I've got X number of clients on this day. I don't have as many on the other day, but this day makes up for it. So maybe that day I can spend a little more time with my family. I can trade my money resource for a time resource, maybe fix up the website or buy a piece of equipment, clean up the gym, whatever you choose to do with that time, it can still be very yep. valuable. 
Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I really wanted to ask you this. You stare down the barrel of everything closing down the, the craziest scenario that nobody could have ever imagined. You're, the, the place where you are employed, where you have clients, where you are meeting new people is gone. All of a sudden, out yeah. of nowhere, you faced fear and you decided to do something about it. Tell us what the meaning of facing fear and stepping into that fear versus making it make you shy away. Oh, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I think facing the fear, the outcome has been absolutely incredible. But I also like, I guess maybe my brain works a little bit different because I like to think I, I play myself devil's advocate, right? Like what if, what if I didn't do that? What if this, what if that? I, I, I think just if, if somebody is in a position to potentially face the fear, I mean, I, I mean, I would say go ahead and do it because worst case, like you go find another job, you go, you go back to the gym, you go, I think I never would have, this has been the biggest, the biggest trigger I pulled and the biggest fear I faced in my career. And I would say to myself over and over again to pull the trigger. Mm. and just make it work you know like i don't i don't know i don't know if that answered the question but i'm still very i'm still very dumbfounded of where i'm at and still i'm just still soaking this in on how real this is mm. and it's been two years yeah dude that was a fantastic answer that was a fantastic answer i i think i think if you would have gone back to the gym and done what you'd always done the question there of of kind of what you just phrased, like, what if, what if that scenario would have played out, I think would have led to much more regret than yeah. to step into something. And I, I have to point this out, not only starting over your business in at different gyms that are already established, which is challenging enough, let me tell you, but to, to do something, to start your own thing <laughs> in the pandemic, I, I just, I, when, yeah. when you'd done it twice before and it didn't work out, taking those learnings and that courage and facing the fear and stepping into it and pulling the trigger. Like you said, I have so much respect for that. And I'm so glad you decided to do that. This has been an amazing conversation. What is one simple tip you would like to leave with the listener that they can take and apply in their lives? Pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. I absolutely love that. What a great answer. Tell us uh, where people can go to find you and find your work and connect yeah. with you. <clears throat> So on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, it's at rep the reds, R-E-P, the reds, like the color. Um, and website is thelabtrainingstudio.com. Uh, that you can find information on the pre-workout, uh, other supplements, training inquiries, uh, anything like that. That's great. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Man, Jason Gonzalez, what an amazing conversation. Thank you for pulling the trigger, dude. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for pulling Thank the you. trigger and being such an inspiration. 
like we said in the beginning, you're you're so great about you know trying all these different modalities and doing lots of fun stuff with your clients, but you're not just keeping them to yourself. You're sharing them, and I for one find it to be very inspiring. It gives me lots of ideas, and I know it helps a lot of people. You're not just hoarding your own information. You're out there and you're sharing it. You're creating things that haven't been created that you know are to your standards that really really help people. And so I just am so grateful for you and for your work and for the time you took to be on our show today. We really appreciate you. Appreciate it. I appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. It was an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. So thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio. I can't thank you, the listener, enough. We are so grateful for you. This year, 2021, was amazing. We got to talk to so many amazing people around the world and got to learn so much from them. And we actually just passed 80,000 downloads worldwide, which I just, when I started this, could not even fathom that we could reach that many people with the message. And hopefully you have gotten a lot out of this, um, as, as have we. Um, as we start the new year, we just wanted to let you know about some of the resources that we offer at Boundless Body LLC. Please go to our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. That's myboundlessbody.com. You will see an option to book a complimentary 30-minute consultation with us so that we can discuss your goals with health and fitness and maybe help you create a plan for the new year. Bethany, my wife, also offers uh, virtual mat Pilates classes, which are absolutely amazing. They're very engaging and also very, very affordable. Those can be done live on Mondays and Fridays or also given out as a recording to do at your own convenience. We also offer training and meal planning services that are also done virtually from the safety of your own home. So if you want to avoid the busyness of a gym, we can help show you how to get really fantastic results at home with a very minimal amount of equipment. We've been doing it now for two years. We've gotten pretty good at it. So we are happy to show you that. Once again, that website is myboundlessbody.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really helps um, get this passion project out to more people. So cheers to 2022. And thank you again for listening to Boundless Body Radio.